Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome into SEC Football Beyond. I'm Neil McCready. Chris Landry with me as well today. It's uh, Tuesday. What is today? October the 6th, 2020. We're uh, more than three quarters of the way through 2020. Thank God. Uh, we'll review week two in the SEC. Uh, Arkansas gets a, a huge upset at Mississippi State. Probably the, the, the big upset of the week. Georgia just absolutely destroys Auburn. Ole Miss gets uh, its first win under Lane Kiffin, 42-41 in overtime there in Lexington, Alabama, just malls Texas A&M. We'll talk about all those games and more. Uh, Chris, uh, first of all, hello. How are you? Neil, I am doing great. A lot to react to. Been filming it up. And interesting things you uncover when breaking down the tape. And um, it's getting fun. We're two weeks into the SEC play know a little bit more than week one. We did discuss, didn't we, last week, overreaction. And, oh, my goodness. I know you said that's part of the fun. And, yeah, I get it. But I I find it comical, how the reactions from one extreme to the other. And, you know, we think we do a pretty good job of kind of saying, hey, okay, listen, you learn this in scouting. It's eyeball scouting doesn't work. You got to really – a player, a team, a coach will grade itself. Over time, and it's, you know, I know first impressions, but first impressions are not really what evaluation's all about from a football coaching and scouting standpoint. A lot to react to with some games this week. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about the games. I will tell you this. Um, this weekend, we, we've always worried about COVID impacting a weekend, and obviously it still could. This weekend, the concern with the games is – a storm out in the Gulf. Mm-hmm. Talking to my friend Reynolds Wolf of uh, the Weather Channel. I'm going to get him on on my podcast a little later today. He's on his way down to New Orleans. Whenever you talk to Weather Channel people and you say where are you headed, usually that's they're headed to the storm. And so uh, a storm expected to hit. I think it's late Thursday into Friday along the Louisiana coast, as if uh, they haven't had enough this year. And um, they're talking about major rain throughout the southeast uh, Friday night, all day Saturday, into Sunday. The SEC has already put out an announcement that, yeah, we're monitoring. Uh, we'll keep an eye on it. So I can tell you that the games this weekend, at least some of them, are absolutely in jeopardy as we uh, as we get ready on Tuesday. They're talking about you know four to six inches of rain here in Oxford, for example. Alabama due in on Saturday afternoon. And I don't know... 
I don't know what what they would do there. It's, it will be really interesting to kind of follow it, Chris, because they 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 don't want to miss a they don't want to not play a game if the game's playable because there there is this constant underlying concern about a COVID game happening. They built in off weeks, two off weeks into the season, thinking about COVID, probably not thinking about hurricane season in October, but it's 2020 and here we are. It is. And, and I got to tell you, embarrassingly, um, I haven't really been up to it, but just been looking at so much film and it has been the most beautiful weather for those who don't know. I live in South Louisiana in Baton Rouge specifically. And it has been a week of unbelievable beauty. It's uh weather like you would not believe. We never get this. Neil, you know this. Low humidity, uh, maybe it'll get, I think it got up to 81 a couple of days last week. But I'm 81 that felt like 71. And then there's a storm coming, and I didn't even really know about it. And now I'm going to pay attention to it because it's, it's close on us and we kind of when I get the nose to the grindstone in football season, but it is certainly an issue. We always seem to have a little cause September and now into October and hurricane season goes really into mid November, uh, end of November. Uh, it's all that risk. So nothing we can do about it, but it is something that we uh, certainly worry about and, certainly the flooding and everything. So how it's going to really affect things, you know, and inside it's uh, games at A&M, games at Georgia, games at Auburn, uh, games at in Oxford uh, where you live, um, games in Lexington and uh, of course Baton Rouge. So you wonder because some of these things get like a lot more rain than you expected or a lot less than you expect. And, you got teams coming in, and so you got Missouri coming into Baton Rouge, for example. And I don't know what to, you know, I don't know what to expect or think. Well, you have travel issues, you have power issues, you have mm-hmm. uh, supply chain issues. You don't want to take away law enforcement mm-hmm. from uh, trying to help people with storm recovery and and taking it away to do something as superfluous as a football team. Uh, I, I can just tell you that as we tape this on Tuesday morning at 9.05, everything is on, but the SEC is on full alert for uh, for the weekend. I don't know if it's for all games, but I, I, I'm, I'm guessing a little bit here. The Florida at Texas A&M probably has a degree of jeopardy. Uh, Arkansas at, uh, at Auburn, that's uh, probably okay. Alabama at Ole Miss has jeopardy for sure. Missouri at LSU, absolute jeopardy, depending on what the storm does how powerful it is when it hits, how much rain it drops, how much damage is done. And quite frankly, a lot of those decisions might not be made, might not be able to really be able to be made until late in the week. And sometimes that puts that puts uh, the, the league in a, in a rough spot because you, you want to make those decisions before teams travel. You don't want to get Missouri to Baton Rouge and then decide you're not going to play the game. Mm-hmm. You don't no. want to get Alabama to Oxford and then decide the game's not playable and they've got to figure out a way back. So, those are all things to watch as we uh, as we look at it when we get together again on Friday. I think we'll have a much better idea of what that storm looks like. But all eyes in the SEC are on that today, I can assure you. All right, let's get into um, week number two. A lot happened, as you mentioned. I'm about to push the uh, the scores here on, on the stream. And um, take you through those real quick. Florida is a two-touchdown winner over South Carolina, 38-24. 
Tennessee absolutely uh, dominated Missouri with a 35 to 12 win. Uh, Alabama looked like a national championship contender, just uh, taking apart Texas A&M 52 to 24. We talked about how I thought Ole Miss and Kentucky would be a a 15 round fight. It was actually they needed a 16 round. Ole Miss beats Kentucky 42 to 41 in overtime. Very entertaining game in Lexington. Uh, Georgia and Auburn was probably the high-profile game of the week. It did not live up to it. Auburn could not uh, withstand Georgia's athleticism on either side of the ball. Georgia, a three-touchdown winner, 27-6. to We talked about it at the very beginning. The upset of the day, Arkansas snaps its 20-game SEC losing streak, goes to Starkville and wins 21-14. to First win for Sam Pittman. There in Fayetteville, the first SEC loss for Mike Leach at Mississippi State. And then uh, LSU pummeled Vanderbilt, kind of as we expected. LSU had a get-well game. Vanderbilt looked like Vanderbilt. LSU wins 41-7. to So uh, we'll just kind of take those in some chronological order as they happen, Chris. Florida jumped ahead of Carolina, kind of took the foot off the gas. Carolina, to its credit, played four quarters and and made the final score look a little closer than it was. But the Gators, at least in the part of the game where the Gators were engaged, looked like a contender. Well, offensively, they're playing well, and there's no question about it. Um, Kyle Trask is playing as good as any quarterback in the SEC, and that's saying something because Mac Jones is playing well. Matt Corral is playing well. Um, Kyle has just really been outstanding. I talked about the mismatch factor with Pitts, and it was – a big factor again. And I tell you, the, the thing that jumped out at me and, and I mentioned him is not just, you know, they, it, it, it's a tribute to what Dan and his offensive staff does with trying to isolate guys in mismatch situations. So it was really impressed with what they're doing formationally with pits, you know, uh, flexing them out, a lot of Y flex stuff, a lot of just, you know, slot stuff, a lot of inline stuff, you know, it's a, where's Waldo, where, where, where are you, where are you going to find him? And that's been, been very, very effective for him. And you're starting to see the other receivers stepping up. I mean, they've played well, but they're really starting to become bigger and bigger factors. South Carolina, I thought had some success running the ball well early. It was not sustainable. Uh, I do think that Florida's defense has got some work to do, got some growing up to do, but I see some signs of it. I, I, I also think that playing complementary ball is an important part of it. You know, Neil, I'm a big believer in this, and, and I, I don't care where you are, and you can use, say, Alabama as, a, as an example in recent years. Who's been more dominant defensively, yet they've not been as dominant defensively the past couple of years? And the biggest reason is their offense is so high-paced that it affects the play of their defense. And Florida's going to have to look at that. I mean, it's great to score a lot of points. It's great to move it down the field. But then you're putting your defense on the field a lot more, and it just means that they're just like on skates the more and more they play. So I'm curious to see how this Florida team develops. They are for real. I I would uh, I was kind of grading things up and wrapping up the week. And if I were to say it, and we'll talk about Georgia in a second. I put Georgia and Florida as the 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 contenders right now for the fourth spot nationally in terms of playoffs. And I hate 
putting it this way because they haven't played a single game, but I know what the talent level and what I expect out of Ohio State. So I would temporarily throw them in there, and we'll see how that goes, and we'll get to that in a later date. Florida is really good. Um, how good are they? Georgia good? We're going to deal with that at the end of the year, but that was really impressive. And people are getting more and more frustrated with Will Muschamp, I guess, because they are not being real competitive in some of these games and the frustration levels kind of getting into high gear in Columbia. Yeah. Will looks really frustrated late in the game. Um, he looked as frustrated as probably the fans are frustrated. He's probably more frustrated because he's in it every single day. There's no escape from it. Um, they they just don't have the talent to to beat the Floridas and the Georgias of the league. It's not there. And, and now Tennessee is is making a move. Tennessee's already beaten South Carolina, and then Tennessee goes to Missouri and wins by 23. And and uh, they've got Georgia this week. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show and a lot on Friday. But um, through two games. Tennessee's taking care of business. They they look really good. You know, they're doing what they're supposed to do. And I, I always laugh. We think about the overreaction. We go back to the beginning of last year. At this point, well, we're, we're later than they were. Two games in, we were talking about Georgia State. Can you believe that? Beating Tennessee. BYU beating Tennessee. Jeremy Pruitt is in over his head. <laughs> no way he survives it. This is going to be a – quick hey some guys just don't belong being a head coach Neil it just kind of, all of a sudden the narrative has really changed huh what it what a difference uh, the rest of that season and the beginning of this season means uh, makes you see that offensive line really getting better um and better and they're starting to run the football well defensively they're starting to develop again more and more into what Jeremy Pruitt likes to play you're doing what you're supposed to do all you can do is when you play a team like Missouri Go out and take care of business. Now, I think that needs to be understood and say, hey, this is what they're doing thus far. You know, had a little bit more problems with South Carolina, but took care of business, now take care of Missouri. It does not mean I think that they're ready to compete and beat Georgia or Florida. That's, you know, well, got one of them. We got an immediate discussion of them and the other one later in the year. But I think progress is being made. And to me, you could look at, uh, I can anyway, at this stage in grading the teams and say, you know what? The swing games, like Kentucky, who's not playing like they need to play. Um, you know, AM, Auburn, those are the games that are the swing games for Tennessee. I don't expect them to compete or beat with uh, Georgia or Alabama or Florida. It's those swing, and I expect them, even though Arkansas is improved, to win those games. It's the you know, it's the other games. It's Kentucky, it's the Auburn, it's the AMs that's going to determine, hey, a really good season, or you know, meet or be above expectation or below. Yeah, I, I just you, I think you can see improvement there. They, they're, yes. they're not, no doubt, they're not at the level of Florida or Georgia, though they get a shot at Georgia this weekend, and that will be an interesting litmus test, even if even if it doesn't go Tennessee's way. They'll, they'll get an idea of just how much ground they've made up, just how much ground there is to still make up. Uh, Missouri, on the other hand, it, it, this, there's they've got a chance to go Vanderbilt in nine here. They're, they're just not very good. They're not very skilled. They look like a team that uh, bottomed out, and they've hired a coach who is has a learning curve right now. Uh, this is 
this is not the Sun Belt. This is not Appy State. This is this is the SEC, and you get Alabama one week and Tennessee the next and LSU the next. And I mean, it is a booger bear for the Tigers right now, and, and it goes. Well, it's the difficulty of the gauntlet of going into the SEC. But I will say this. I think they've got a quarterback that can they can really start to build around. And, you know, I, I, I think this is a long, you know, uh, build. And I do think that, you know, what is tough and is going to be tough for Missouri is, you know, their fan base is going to look and say, well, we're not doing really good. And, man, look, look at what Arkansas is doing. They got a first-year coach, and their talent's not good. And I know we'll get to them in a second. But – so it's not a good look, but you just hit it. I think their progress will be made on maybe teams that are they can compete against a little bit better, and we'll see how that works out. But it's going to be about competing on the recruiting trails for Eli Drinkwitz, and that's going to determine whether it, you know what his future is going to be in getting you know out of the basement level of the East. All right, the CBS game last week was Alabama Texas A and M. Alabama wins fifty two to twenty four. Alabama looked. Lane Kiffin said yesterday he thinks this is Saban's best team, being meaning his balanced, his most balanced teams. Kind of across the board, <clears throat> there's no weakness. They're excellent on offense. They're uh, you talked about Mac Jones. He he and he's one of I mean the top five quarterbacks in the country right now. Statistically, it's he and Matt Corral and uh, Trevor Lawrence and Kyle Trask and I think the kid at BYU are all just putting up massive numbers. Uh, Jones looks great. They're running the ball effectively. They're kind of they're, they're dynamic in the passing game. They're good up front. They're great in the return game, and they're pretty good on defense. Probably not as great as they've been in the past on defense, but they're good, and uh, they embarrass Texas A&M. And I kind of want to get to two things here with you, Chris. I want you to talk about Alabama, what it is that um, that you see there, kind of your, your thoughts on where this team stacks up so far against some previous saving teams. And then secondly, and I think this is frankly a bigger story, Texas A&M looks sick. Two weeks in a row, Texas A&M doesn't look right. Something, in my opinion, something's wrong there. Something's something's missing beyond just football. Like if, if I found out there was something going on inside that team, inside that program right now, I wouldn't be remotely surprised. Something feels off watching them. Well, on Alabama, I can make this pretty quick because they are pretty sound. They're giving up. They're defensively, they're making more mental errors than they normally do. It's still early, but that is, um, they're out of position, you know, mistakes and coverages that, that are not, not to the point where I would put them as elite you know, Alabama wise, you know, and like the best that they've ever had type. I mean, I get what Lane's saying and that's what you say if they're playing them this week. Uh, I think Alabama can get there. And I do think if you're looking at the best teams in the country um, that are playing right now, uh, Clemson and Alabama is the order I would put them in based upon film grade, kind of grading them to a standard and you have to just take the opponents for what they're worth. But um, there's no doubt that they are functional on offense, that they are getting explosive plays out of the passing game, maybe more than people think. I will say this, they're not running the football consistently as well as they need to and can. So I do think there's some areas of improvement, but they're really, really good. A&M, you're right. They, it's, 
I expected them to lose this week. I expect them to lose this coming week against Florida. Although there are a lot of people talked to a couple of coaches that actually think AM is going to play really well. I thought there was improvement, believe it or not. It doesn't look like it. There was definite improvement from the Vanderbilt game to this game. Um, but they're not, they're not there. They're, they're first of all, they're not as talented yet as the upper echelons. They're not as talented as Florida. They're definitely not as talented as Alabama. They're definitely not as talented as Georgia. They're just not there. Now, I think they're getting there. I think they're recruiting it, but I think you're still dealing with some. Now, what's going on in there? I, I, there could be, and I don't know if it's just the normal stuff. They've had a lot of guys leave late. Now, well, a lot of people have had, but they've had more people leave than most of the SEC teams in terms of key people. Why is that? Opt out. I'm talking about in the COVID year. Why is that? Don't know. Is there any underlying problem? I, I don't know. I don't know of anything, but we shall see. I, I still say, and I know, and I know you mentioned this uh, when we talked last week, that the expectation is that you pay a guy all that money, seven by million, you got to eat championships. You can pay them all you want. Paying the money doesn't guarantee you anything other than you've got somebody that's been able to do it before. It doesn't guarantee you that he's going to do it again. And it sure as heck doesn't guarantee you that you're going to be able to do it in a conference where the competition is so strife. Now I will say this, that we're getting to the point where if we get into next year and then we're getting to where you're fall, you know, how do they compare against Auburn? How do they compare against an LSU this year? Um, you, you know, I think competitiveness against Alabama counts. I think going on the road and beating Mississippi state's big, you know, beating Tennessee, you know, uh, beating Ole Miss. Be, I mean, you know, I, I still think there could be a really good year. So, I mean, I would submit to you that, okay, the sky is falling. They lose to Florida, which I expect them to. But what if they begin to improve and beat Mississippi State, Arkansas, South Carolina, Golden Road, Tennessee, Ole Miss, and let's say they even split LSU-Auburn, you know, or win both of those? Well, yeah, but the product that I'm looking at on the field is not doing that. They're not winning all those games. I mean, um, I, I don't see it, but that's just me. I mean, we'll see over the course of the yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, no, but, but but right. But, you know, there's also kind of like, wow, Georgia last week was awful and they're not going to be able to be – and then it's – I'm, I'm, I see the same issues, but I saw improvement and I don't know what I'm going to see in the next couple of weeks. So, I, you know – it, it could very well be true, but the old, hey, let's kind of let it – I'm not ready to give up on them yet, but I do see the concerns, and I'm curious to see how they respond. Um, all right, Ole Miss and Kentucky, we thought it would be a really good game. It was uh, 35-35 at the end of regulation. Kentucky scores, misses an extra point. Ole Miss gets it back, scores, makes an extra point. Rebels win 42-41. to Kentucky falls to 0-2. Ole Miss goes to 1-1. Ole Miss having lost to Florida and now beaten Kentucky. The Rebels uh, get Alabama this weekend, and then they get into a stretch of their season where I think they can make a little hay. But let's talk about this one. Ole Miss and Kentucky, uh, Matt Corral was absolutely terrific. I think 24 of 29, 320 yards, four touchdowns. He was their leading rusher. Uh, for a kid who was labeled last year as – inside his own program as a kid who can't make good decisions. 
all he did was make one good decision after another. He played a remarkably clean football game. Uh, Elijah, Elijah Moore had a big game. Jonathan Mingo had a big game. Kenny Yaboa had a nice game. Ole Miss couldn't run the ball very effectively at all. Uh, Jerry Ely was uh, almost non-existent, really, in this game. Snoop Connor did a couple of things. But for the most part, it was Matt Corral and a passing attack overcoming a Kentucky running game. Kentucky had 400 and uh, is it 20? 400 and some odd yards mm -hmm. on the ground against Ole Miss, including 150 in the first quarter alone. Just an incredible number. Ole Miss finds a way to win. Um, a lot of it's just due to Matt Corral. I wonder if you might talk about him a little bit. He was as good a, a quarterback play as I've seen in a long time. He's doing a really good job. Lane deserves a lot of credit. You know, you talk about decision-making. Lane creates spacing and coverage, and he creates simplified reads, kind of a an A-B read where it's a, it, it increases the chances of making quick reads and accurate reads because it's, it's, it's half-fill reads, it's a high-low read, and it's very successful. And they've got weapons. The receivers are playing well, they're getting open, and they can spread you out, and they're going to be tough to handle for any defense in this league week in and week out. They are. Uh, they have a bad day. It's different, and certain defenses are going to be able to handle them, the, the upper echelon, but most of the people in this league are going to struggle with them. Um, so, I, you know, for the second week in a row, I, I've been impressed, and I see what I see with Ole Miss and like what I see offensively. I, I also am still very, very concerned about the talent level, which is not going to be corrected on de you know, on defense for them, and they got a long way to go. Um, oh, looking yeah. at my they're, grades, they're, yeah, they're go two, ahead. They're two full years away on defense yeah. and the kind of talent that you need to, to be a contender in this league. Yeah, and I, you know, uh, looking at my film grade notes um, – the, the right tackle, the right end, the Will Backer and the Mike Backer, you know, graded out admirably. The problem is it's not sustainable with not much depth. And I think you can still have success, um, you know, even if they have some some uh, early success. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention, I'm going to say something that I think is really important to understand in today's football game. With all that said, when Ole Miss needed to get a stop, trying to get back in the game, they were able to get off the field. That's important. So, yep. okay, I get it. When you are a team that's lacking talent on defense, you're not a very good defense for whatever reason. You've got to at least play good situational defense. And what does that really mean? Well, in certain situations, you got to come up big. You tr you've got an offense that's explosive. You can come back on a team, but you got to get an out. You got to come up with a pick. You got to come up with a pressure. You got to come up with a big play behind. They were able to do that. You don't do that. The great offense, you know, yep. it, it comes close, but you don't win the game. So they were able to play good situational defense. So I'm encouraged by that. When they had to have it, okay, you may not be good enough, but when you had to have it, you did it. And that's huge. All right, quickly to Kentucky. Looking at it, thinking about it, and watching this team, this is very un-Kentucky-like for two weeks in a row. Undisciplined, uh, had every chance to beat Auburn and Ole Miss, 
and, mm-hmm. and weren't able to do it. Yep. If you look at Kentucky's success under Mark Stoops, it's all the little things that they do well. It's the finished product. It's the it's the ability to take whatever they have and maximize it. They usually are the ones that are ahead in the turnover margin, the the, the flip in the field, uh, the hidden yardage. All of those things that they do so well, they're not doing well. Why is that? Well, here's the theory. And it's something I'm looking at in more and more places that are similar. Neil, in the COVID era, everybody's dealt without a spring practice and lack of time. It's going to hurt a team that relies on all the little things to be sharp. When you don't do that, if you're a multi-talented team and you're not real sharp, just talking about an Alabama blowing some coverages and had a couple of stunts where they really had probably two or three more sacks in the game that they didn't get because they didn't play it right. It, it They still blow somebody out. Why? They're that much more talented. So when they have loose ends and maybe people don't notice it because you're winning by 30, it doesn't matter, or 20 or whatever. Kentucky can't do that. They have to do all the little things well, and they're not doing the little things well. They're not doing the discipline things well that, are usually the reason why they win. This is where I'm wondering, because we have, it's one of two things, Neil. They're just not doing a good enough job of coaching this year, or they haven't had the time to implement the culture that they normally implement. And look, I think the benefit of the doubt ought to go to the latter because we haven't seen this team be outcoached or outdisciplined in most years. So, for whatever reason, it's happening this year. And and it's not just the roles, and that's just pure dumb. You know, in his case, you, you give up a touchdown. I mean, you're, you know, you got to hold on to the football showboating is that's just, you know, that's hurting the team. Those are things you really don't expect. I don't expect it anywhere, but it happens. It doesn't happen with the Mark Stoops teams. It's happening this year, two weeks in a row. Here's one thing that's happening to teams. You mentioned Kentucky. You mentioned Missouri. In a normal year, those teams start off playing East Central Kansas State Boys Club. Yep. And so you get a win, and you get a lot of these problems that you typically have early in a season, stupid stuff, doesn't haunt you. You get it on film. It becomes a coachable moment. And by the time you play an Ole Miss or an Auburn, You've gotten a lot of that stuff out of your system. This year, you don't have that luxury because it's just here. We're starting straight in the fire, and we're just going to throw more logs on. And so it just gets hotter and hotter and hotter, and you see see Kentucky melt down a little bit. They melted down a little bit against Auburn. They melted down a little bit against Ole Miss. And in both of those games, Auburn was kind of more disciplined. And Saturday, Ole Miss, the one thing this – give Kiffin credit now, a ton of it. Everybody talks about Lane Kiffin, this crazy guy and all this stuff. Here's what you see from his team. Two weeks in a row, one week they didn't have enough talent to overcome it. Kentucky gets them down two scores, and it's getting ready to turn into a blowout, and Ole Miss scores. And then at Kentucky, and Ole Miss doesn't get enough credit for this. I've not heard enough people talk about it. We'll get off of it in a minute because there's other games, including Georgia and Auburn, that I want to get to real quick, Arkansas, Mississippi State. Ole Miss gets a touchdown called back. Snoop Connor, Ole Miss thought he scored. The official on the field th- said he scored. They went to replay. They said he didn't score. 
And ultimately, Ole Miss doesn't get points there. Instead of getting all worked up and losing it, they got to stop, got the ball back, scored, negated it in like three minutes. Yep. That's a sign of discipline. That's a sign of a team that is completely bought in, which is why they're interesting to me. And I know I cover them and that. Look, I've covered Ole Miss for, this is 13 years. The last four years, they have been so boring and predictable. And this year, they they have a little more oomph to them. Now, they're not good enough on defense to be competitive in the big games. But they're interesting. And against Kentucky, they kind of wanted it more. And it showed a little bit late. So that's something to kind of follow. It's, it's a problem for Kentucky. They don't have that Mac game to get well. It's mm-hmm. just... It's just boom. Here comes Mississippi State. You got to play them now, and I mean, and then after that, you still got Tennessee, and all it just goes on and on and on. And this is this is a it's a real challenge for for coaches this year because it's so different. All right, let's let's talk about Georgia and Auburn. Um, to your credit, you you said, hey, be careful with overreaction on Georgia's performance in Fayetteville. That they're 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 all right, and they pummeled Auburn on on Saturday the final was 27 to 6 forget the scoreboard for a minute it was one of those games that could have taken the scoreboard away and you knew who was winning they were dominant defensively this is a dominant defense it's early but there's just enough there to say I've not seen a defense that's as good as Georgia's in the country yet and we shall see long season I know um they're They did a good job on the offensive line, which they did not play well week one. They asserted themselves on the offensive line. They ran the football. They ran hard. Um, And the quarterback not only moved them, led them, but made plays when he needed to. And, you know, you it remains to be seen if they're good enough to win the biggest games on the schedule, which would be Alabama you know, Florida and, you know, an SEC championship game, probably against Alabama, um, a playoff game if they were to get there. You know, do they have enough the quarterback position? Um, you know, they certainly are not going to match up quarterback-wise with the likely teams that would be in the playoffs, the Trevor Lawrence, the Justin Fields, even a Mac Jones, um, certainly not even match up with Florida's quarterback, Kyle Trask. But, they're also better defensively. And so the issue is, can you play well enough around the quarterback? And when you overplay the run, can the quarterback make plays to beat you? And can the receivers step up? And those are things that, again, that's what I said, I want to see. Well, against Auburn, check. They were able to do that. that again, just like don't overreact. You know, Georgia fans, that it, it, and everything's over. It's done. Kirby, I, I've had enough of Kirby. He's Mark Rick 2.0. You know, and now it's, you know, oh, yeah, I told you. Yeah, they're great. We don't need to pay. You know, don't overreact week two either. Yeah, it's just the way it is. I know it is. I know you like, everybody loves to overreact. Just, just telling you, it just the, let's the day that people stop overreacting, we will be all be out of jobs. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. Yeah, okay. That's fine. I get it. But don't want that to happen. Don't, don't go there. But, um, Look, I mean, it's just reality of, you know, it's it's about how you progress week in and week out. This is a good Georgia team. They're still the team to beat in the East. And Georgia has to, Florida has to go and beat them. And, and we'll see if they can do it later in the year. 
I, you know, Alabama's a different beast, a different animal, and I'm excited to see. I, I want to see right now what they do against a Tennessee team that's going to match physicality, the offensive line. They're going to try to run the football at Georgia. And, you know, we'll get into that breakdown more, but this is going to be a different matchup. Tennessee's a little more physical than Auburn right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be a different look, but this Georgia team asserted itself. And I think they will assert itself against this week and kind of show truly, you know, last week, I think even though it was a cross-divisional game, it showed they are still the team to beat in the East. And I think against Tennessee, they'll show it again. They're really, really good. Auburn, you know, already, again, the, the reaction is, oh, Gus, got to go. <laughs> got to go again. That That is, that that's always there. Uh, look, they, he hasn't fared well in these games. He's, he's the most beaten. disliked, successful coach I've ever seen. Yeah, you know, and he's he's beaten, beaten Nick a couple of times or else there's no way he'd still be there. Uh, he hasn't fared well against LSU. He hasn't fared well against Georgia. Um, in fact, the overall record when you throw in Alabama is not very good, but he's beaten them recently a couple of times, and nobody's other than Dabble has been able to really do that against Saban. Um, so, you know, it's it's Auburn is, you know, I, I think we saw against Kentucky a little bit maybe overblown because I think Kentucky played right with them. I, I think Auburn's still work in progress. They're in that mold of – you know, how good are they compared to AM and LSU? I, I think that's kind of where they are, and we'll let that figure out. But, you know, Georgia's definitely on a different level than where Auburn is. All right. Uh, the interesting game, I was doing my post-game show, and <laughs> we had this one on. We were going to watch uh, We were going to watch Georgia-Auburn, and then it just wasn't all that entertaining, frankly. <laughs> Arkansas-Mississippi State was really entertaining. It was in, a fascinating game. Um, Arkansas wins 21-14. Big win for uh, Sam Pittman. Congratulations to all the Hogs in all seriousness. 20 straight losses is a lot to endure. It was a exciting, Brutal. Night, exciting night for Arkansas fans. I was happy for them. Uh, I've got a daughter that's a, a student at the University of Arkansas. It was a big party there in Fayetteville to get a win. So congratulations to them. That's great. What, uh, what did you see there other than Barry Odom basically taking the Washington defense, putting it in, uh, in white uniforms and taking away a lot of the, the, the air raid. You know, it's what we talked about last week when we talked about what LSU didn't do. Played a lot of two deep, three deep. Um, did a really good job rushing three, dropping eight in a lot of different pattern looks. They did a good job with their pattern matches, and they didn't allow run after catches. Uh, and then they were able um, to force the ball out wide, and Costello was – not able to do it. See, Costello had, to use a basketball analogy, Neil, he had layups all game long against LSU. Yeah. He forced them to shoot outside, and you hit a couple, and you miss a couple, and, you know, that's just the way it was. So it was a was the field goal percentage wasn't as good because you're not, you know, you weren't there, and he's not Seth Curry. So he wasn't going to have that ability to do that. And then there was no run after catchability. And I – you know, I've talked about this a long time. You get this with Mike Leach. I, I didn't think you'd get the whole Mike Leach experience in the first two games of his Mississippi State career, but you got the full Mike Leach experience. Yeah. This is Mike. I've said it. I like Mike. I love the guy. But 
I, I know him, and I, I think, Neil, you've been in the media world a long time. Most coaches get treated unfairly. I don't know that I've seen a coach get more credit for his wins and people just blow off the losses like they didn't happen more than Mike Leach. And I'm curious to see, and I would like your opinion on this when I finish breaking it down on, on how you think this will play in Starkville. Because what you saw in the last two weeks is what you're going to see. You're going to see Mike Leach pull some upsets because if you're not prepared to what they do, they're not going to – Mike can't adjust. Mike does what he does. He has his two runs. He has his draw in his zone, and that's what he does. You can stop that if you are disciplined and you're prepared for it. You can stop it. And he's not going to adjust because he doesn't do anything else. If you don't adjust, he'll just pick your part, and you saw it in two weeks. Barry Odom knew what he was doing. Barry Odom was 3-0 and against Mike Leach's offenses. When Barry Odom was the defensive coordinator at Missouri in the Big 12 against Leach's Texas Tech offense, 3-0, and shut it down. So he knew what to do. And again, not to pour salt for the LSU fans and bring back bad memories because they rebounded, but the reality is, yeah, I know Stingley didn't play against LSU. Uh, there wasn't anybody close to the talent at Arkansas that is on the bench at LSU in a second, but it's how you play it. Scheme matters. How you play the scheme matters. How you adjust matters. Here's the difference. We saw that. Here's the difference, too, that Mike Leach is going to struggle with, in my opinion. Even Arkansas, 20 straight losses. They still have talent. Unlike in the Big 12, and the Pac-12, where sometimes you run into teams that really don't have a lot of talent. In this league, everybody's got talent. Everybody's talented. Different types of talent. Different depth of talent. But everybody's got talent. Arkansas yeah. has talent. Yeah, and, you know, like even like in the Pac-12, you go up against Cal and Justin Wilcox defense. That's a challenge, but they can't score offensively. Yeah. So even though you slow them down, they're still going to get, you know, 25-30. Arkansas, I'll give Arkansas this too. Uh, they don't have much on offense, but but having Franks there, uh, who who's stabilizes a, things, he's a good game manager. He 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 doesn't make a lot of stupid mistakes. He he plays with a lot of poise. I do think, yeah, your words right. He stabilizes things a little bit. You asked me the question: How will Mississippi State handle their their fans? Handle the fans it? handle this. not well. Not and well. and and it's and I I didn't think so, but I wanted you to respond to it. Um. Look, here's the thing that Mike has. Mike has talent on defense. Mississippi State has talent. It It's as good might, as it's – He might have more talent now than he's ever going to have. Yes, it's, it's as good as it – Kiffin, see, it's, it's why and, – and I do this and people go, oh, you're an Ole Miss guy. It's it's not that I'm, – I'm just looking at it. Yeah, well, I'm not an Ole Miss guy. I'm not a Mississippi State guy. I'm not even an LSU guy, as LSU fans will tell you. I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan. The reality is, you're right, Kiffin will – have a cutting edge on offense and a cutting edge on recruiting. He's got to recruit big boys on defense. If he's going to play big boy football, that's the variable with Mike. What I'm saying, and I think what Neil is saying, I don't speak for him is look, Mississippi state has some talent that will get progressively worse over the years. Cause Mike's not a good recruiter and he's not going to recruit well on defense. And you know, he's also going to be able to find certain guys to come in and play on offense. People will say, Neil, 
Oh, but Chris, he will recruit better players at Mississippi State than he did at Texas Tech and at Washington State. Yes, he will. But if you recruit better play, you're not playing against Texas Tech or, or Washington State. You're mm-hmm. still going to be 12th, 13th, or 14th personnel-wise in the league, and Mike doesn't handle that very well. And his defenses, even down the road when you're able to score some points on offense, um, he'll give up a ton of points. I remind folks, you give up 50-point lead in one quarter, that is not even – think about it. It's not even possible he did that and because his offense will do nothing to help his defense. So, look, I think Mike will win you – and I'm talking about a normal year in a 12-game season. I think he'll win seven a year. I think he'll win eight, depending on your schedule. I don't know. And, um, uh, you, you, no, I mean, I think he will because I think he'll schedule. I think he'll get two, two games, you know, three that – conference. Yeah. And I think he will, you know, depending on you play. I mean, you know, you get you, that's why I say it's seven to eight. And I do think that you're going to have years where it's going to be six and maybe a year where it could be possibly nine if things fall right. But that is all dependent upon the right schedule. Do you get, um, do you get a Missouri or a Vanderbilt as opposed to a better player? That's just the reality. They're not going to be. They're not going to be good. I think they're going to end up being seventh in the West in a couple of years. I do too. Here's the thing, and, and this is the problem: is that it's simple math. You've got Alabama. That's Alabama. You've got LSU down there. They just came off of. They've won 15 of their last 16 games now. You've got uh, you've got Auburn, solid program. If you're right about Texas A&M, if, if, if you're right and they're building still and not falling apart like I sort of think, if, if you're right, you got Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, and I'm just telling you the early signs are really positive with Kiffin on the recruiting trail, on, on those type things. It, it's the opposite of the early signs with Matt Luke where it was like this isn't going to work and everybody deep down knows this isn't going to work. This is the opposite of that. You can, you can feel momentum when it happens inside a program and it's happening. And then Arkansas's look, is Arkansas going to compete for championships? No, of course not. Is is Sam Pittman a good fit there? He is. Is he going to make them more stable? Yes. Is he going to make them less of an automatic out? Yes. They're, they're not going to go 0 and 8 in the league year after year after year with, with Sam Pittman and, and Barry Odom and Kendall Bryles and those yep. types of coaches at Arkansas. It's not going to happen. They're going to win a couple of games. They're going to get excited up there in Fayetteville. And when we eventually get back to normal, that's going to become a loud place to play again. It's going to be hard to win there. And I'm yeah. telling you, there's aren't. So if you're seventh in that division that I just described, there are no wins. No, no. Well, yeah, no, there's, there's, you know, but, but there, yeah, that could be a, yeah, you're right. No, it's consistently you win a few games and look, I mean, finishing seventh, uh, if you're at Arkansas, you're at Ole Miss, you're at Mississippi state, whoever finishes seventh is you're on brawl time because they're looking to get out of the basement and put somebody else in the basement. And, and, and by the way, real quick on Arkansas, Barry Odom was, a, was an easy hire. Kendall Brawls was not. And that was a good hire. And that is a little bit out of Sam's comfort zone. And that's important. And that's something I think too. Staff hires and recruiting is not Mike's strength. And look, I'm not, I'm not, it's like- I'm, not I'm not trying to be negative, but what I saw and look, I didn't predict it. I thought, no, 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 they'll take care of Arkansas, but you're going to watch and see Mike's offense is going to get their comeuppance. They got, they got it against Arkansas. So 
I mean, enough said there yeah. on that's just kind of that's what you're going to get. And yet you're going to get, I'm telling you, book it. They're going to get somebody else like they got LSU, N- not Alabama, not, yeah, but they're going to get somebody. I mean, it could be Auburn. Again, it could be, I mean, they're going to get somebody that is perceived better okay. than they are, but, but they're going to also get out coached too. All right, last one. I don't know how much there is to say about this. I watched some of it. It was not a competitive football game. LSU got well uh, pounded Vanderbilt, 41-7. to Vanderbilt looked like Vanderbilt. LSU looked like LSU. There just wasn't a whole lot to say about it. Well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't – it was a not a style problem and an adjustment issue that um, uh, that – the dealing the whole situation with um, – the whole offense and Mike Leach and the dealing with that, they just came out and ran the football. They got good pressure. They, they mauled Vanderbilt and um, you know, it was, you know, a lot better situation for them and they kind of imposed their will. Miles Brennan was more comfortable, was able to run the football. Yeah. Simple as that. It was, it looked like LSU versus Vanderbilt is what it looked like. Yeah. Good way to put it. All right, uh, before we preview a real quick preview version, we'll dive deep in on Friday on the games, and uh, we'll keep an eye on the weather. We'll, even more concerned, even just so as we've been taping the show in the last 48 minutes, the, the, the concern has intensified. This podcast uh, brought to you by Jupiter Security Systems based in Madison, Mississippi. Jupiter Security Systems provides your business with the help desk, allowing you to get software at a much cheaper price than you would pay going directly to Microsoft or the different cybersecurity services. Jupiter Security Systems offers businesses the full Microsoft 365 suite, email, spam protection. They monitor workstations and servers. They don't see your data, by the way, but they'll know if malicious applications get installed on your computer. It's ADT for your computer systems and data. It's very affordable with a flat price, no hidden add-ons. Get in touch with Eric at 601-519-9583 or info at jupitersecurity.net. We're also brought to you by Blue Sky. Blue Sky believes in being fast, fresh, and friendly. Uh, From services to product, Blue Sky plans to keep things fresh. They always provide the freshest flavors of their brand name products and the best services available. They bring in some of the newest products on the market to their stores to provide an even better customer experience. They want to show their customers that they care about them and their shopping experience to always strive to improve their efforts to accomplish exactly that. So check out Blue Sky today at any of their 48 store locations across the southeast. All right, Chris, weather permitting, we're going to play some football again this weekend. Thank goodness. Uh, let's see. we got a schedule ready to go. I've got it up here. South Carolina is at Vanderbilt. Let's kind of run through these, and then you tell me which ones sort of stick out as, as games of interest to you. That's an 11 a.m. game on the SEC Network. Florida is at Texas A&M. That's 11 a.m. on ESPN. The national game, Tennessee at Georgia, 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central. That's on CBS. Arkansas and Auburn get kicked off on the Plains at 3 p.m. on the SEC Network. Alabama heads to Ole Miss. Nick Saban, Lane Kiffin reunited. 5 p.m. on ESPN. Mississippi State heads to Kentucky. That's a 7.30 Eastern, 6.30 Central game on the SEC Network. And then the nightcap, 
is Missouri at LSU, 8 p.m. on ESPN. I can tell you real quick, Chris, a um, good friend of mine covers Missouri for the SEC, and he is hearing what I am hearing, which is the SEC is talking about moving that game from Baton Rouge to Columbia, Missouri. You know, I was going to mention that earlier that uh, makes all the sense in the world to do that because it just gets it out of the way and it gets LSU out of town and uh, it preserves the game. It makes all the sense in the world to do that. In today's year, this this year, it makes all the sense. They should do it. In fact, I don't think they should consider it. I think they need to, I need, think they need to wrap that up pretty quickly and it's not a big deal with money and all that. It makes all yeah. the sense in the world. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense and, and, you, you don't want to lose a game for reasons beyond COVID in case COVID pops up later and you have to move a game because of COVID. So if you can play the game, and I doubt if LSU cares at this point, you know, you'd, you'd rather go ahead and go to Columbia and get the game in than either play it in a monsoon there in Baton Rouge where you're endangering people or run the risk of not being able to play or having to push it back to Monday. And then you're hoping that there's no power outages and you know how it is. You live down there when you live down near the Gulf, like I did for 12 years, you know that it's not always just the storm. It's the aftermath of the storms. Power lines are down and people are trying to get all that stuff done. They don't want to fool with the football game in, in, in that condition. So something to watch. All right. Beyond the storm part of it, we've got about eight minutes left. Those games that stick out to me, Florida at Texas A&M, huge opportunity for A&M to prove people like Neil McCready wrong. Uh, Tennessee and Georgia, obviously a real interesting game, a litmus test, like I mentioned, for Tennessee. I expect Auburn to handle Arkansas, but if they don't, that's a sign possibly of some trouble on the Plains or a sign that Arkansas is really um, making some strides there. It's a, a Chad Morris Bowl. His coaching against his former team, Gus always coaches well against Arkansas. Mississippi State at LSU feels like a big game, big game for both teams. I don't know how much interest there is in that game, but I can tell you that both of those teams want that game and need that game badly. Yeah, um, you know, Tennessee, Georgia, obviously is, uh, you know, very curious to see Again, what Tennessee can do, I don't think they match up with Georgia, but how, how close can they keep it? I don't think A&M matches up with Florida, but again, I want to see kind of where they are in that matchup. So those are intriguing. I am interested in, in seeing what progress Arkansas can and, and what they're able to build off of, uh, perhaps against Auburn. I, I, I kind of agree with you, though. And obviously, I'm, you know, Alabama's Alabama, and I'm, I'm not – Curious, obviously, Lane and Nick and kind of how that'll look. And um, But I agree with you uh, the, from a competitive standpoint. There may not be a game going in that I think is more competitive than Mississippi State-Kentucky. I just think that that's it's a must-win for Kentucky. Uh, Mississippi State's off of a loss. Um you know, I, I just don't, I just don't know. I, I just, I just don't see that being um, what the formula that you're looking for that I think's um, going to be a really good one. And you know, Missouri LSU, we just talked about probably the biggest thing. Um, you know, uh, we'll see how that that works out. We had, a, uh, we had a question in our chat. How does Texas A&M win this weekend? We'll get into that more detailed on Friday, but. If I told you, I always like the football gods to pay a visit because sometimes it's just nice to hear from a higher power. 
If the football gods came down and told you right now, hey, uh, Chris, A&M beats the Gators, how would you say it happened? Yeah, you know, and I'm going to tell you something. There's some – I don't agree with them. There's some coaches that in the league that actually think A&M will. Okay, so let me make the case. They did – the film showed that they did do some things against Alabama better. And, again, most people don't notice it because they got blown out. I think that they need to – they'll look at the film and think A&M will, that they can move the football against – uh, Florida. So they, I think, are going to want to work the right, wide run and try to play ball control and, and match points with them. Um, I, I don't think they're going to be able to control it because I don't think defensively they're going to be able to hold up against Florida, which is why I don't like the matchup. And uh, while there are some people that who's football people that I respect that think that AM is going to beat Florida and think it's real possible and it's at home. And I think they're basically doing it on kind of a, boy, this is a big game for Jimbo. The, the dealing, I think all those things would be, you know, you're going to get AM's best effort. I, I think the effort will be good. I think all, I, I think in the first two series, A&M played better against Alabama than they did the entire game against Vanderbilt. So I think there, there are opportunities, and we've seen it against this Florida defense, to score points, to control it, you know, the the line of scrimmage there. Can they do it for four quarters enough? That's one thing. And, and if they do it, is it going to be enough to match points to be able to get off the field defensively against this Florida offense? That's where I think AM falls short and why I think it would be not just an upset, but a pretty significant upset if they were able to pull that off. Yeah, we're getting questions in the chat about uh, how the weather affects Georgia-Tennessee uh, here's what we're going to do on that because we only have a couple minutes left today. We're going to really keep an eye on that over the next 72 hours. We'll have a much better idea wh where the, the storm's headed. You know, sometimes these things don't turn to the east at the end the way that is anticipated right now. They, they stay west. They slam into Texas, and the, east, the eastern portion of the southeast isn't impacted at all. And sometimes these things – hook harder to the right, and instead of hitting Louisiana, they hit Mississippi, Alabama, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, Auburn and, and uh, Athens and, and places like that that right now aren't even really thinking about it, they get hammered. So it's too early to say, but it will absolutely be one of the things we'll talk about on, uh, on Friday when we get together is, you know, some of these teams, like you look at Ole Miss, for example, uh, Alabama even, teams that really like to put the ball in the air, how much does a, a wet track impact them? How much does a sloppy field impact them? Those kinds of things. We'll, we'll get into that, as you said, on Friday. But here's a little tip. The biggest weather factor in any football game is wind. That's the biggest thing. Wind screws you up more than anything. Yeah. Wet ball's big, but the wind's the biggest factor. So we'll have to kind of, as Neil said, we need to kind of see where it is. But but real quickly, in Tennessee, Georgia, they both want to run the football, and so it plays to their strength. I'll say this. When it's a ball security issue because it's wet, I, I'm going to give an advantage. If all else is equal in this case, give an advantage to the underdog because it may mean that the better team might put the ball on the ground a little bit more, and maybe you get a little bit of a cheap points if you're an underdog. So, I, you know, it's, it doesn't favor one style or the other but as a rule, an underdog just from a wet field standpoint. Yeah, it just throws in another wild card. Yeah, you know? no, it's, you know, your footing's bad. You, you know, you know, you're the better team, good track. You know, it just, you know, if you if you kind of 
basically have a slow feel. It slows everybody down to a little bit more of an equal level, and all of a sudden you put the ball on the ground more, well, turnovers are the great equalizer. Well, if you have inclement weather that creates more turnovers, it's not going to have a a, a negative effect if you have an equal amount of turnovers on either side. But what if you have seven turnovers in the game and five of them are with the team that's the favorite? Well, then all of a sudden now you you got a plus five advantage in the turnover margin you got a pretty sizable underdog that can beat a, a, a better team, you know? So that's just some things to keep in mind. And we'll get into more specifics on Friday, as you mentioned. We absolutely will. That does it for uh, this edition of SEC football and beyond should be a, uh, should be a big week of SEC football weather permitting, and maybe the weather will make it even crazier. Who knows? It's been a crazy 2020. So we feels like, feels like this is the year, Chris, that they ought to say, oh, no hell with it. Let's play in a hurricane. Uh, you know, why not? I mean, it, it makes all the sense in the world. Uh, who knows? Who knows? It'll be a lot of fun, though. We'll come back on Friday. We'll preview all of the games from South Carolina, Vanderbilt, all the way to Missouri at LSU, or maybe that will be LSU at Missouri. We'll talk about all of those and more on Friday. For Chris Landry, I'm Neil McCready. Until Friday, take care. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.